This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Hi everyone, I'm Jane Tara and I'm chatting to authors and experts about their self-help, wellness and personal development books. If you're looking for ways to be happy, be well and be inspired, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Better Reading B. Sidel Sierra is the founder of the Seeds of Greatness Project, a free community-driven platform dedicated to inspiring personal growth and transformation. She is also an abuse survivor who has been on a quest of healing and self-discovering that she's now sharing with others. Her book, Metamorphosis, is an inspiring, comprehensive guide for survivors, and it really is. She's here today to talk to me about this book and more. And look, I welcome to be better. I'm thrilled that you're here after reading the book, and and I want to hear your story. Um, okay. It's such a story. I really, I had to read it quickly to prepare for this podcast, but I intend to go back for a number of reasons, but firstly, because what happened to you is beyond comprehension. But more importantly, you know, so many people hang on to their stories and their past and that frames their future, you know, that creates their future. And what you've done, you've emerged from this really traumatic history and gone on this journey of healing. It's really, really inspiring. And um, I want lots of people to listen to this. So, Sidel, just talk to me about the start of the book, what I was reading there and your trauma story. Talk to me about your past. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me on. And and yes, it's quite a book. And I think I should have warning signs at the front for the, <laughs> for the content in there sometimes. But the reality was like I was groomed for many, many years uh, to basically be taken into an organized crime cult. And uh, the grooming was sort of the foundation to take me into that environment. And uh, it was more than just an organized crime cult. It was a very, a very violent environment. Uh, there was ritual abuse and there was uh, many layers to that trauma. Uh, not only experienced a lot of that, a lot of tortures, a lot of uh pain and suffering, but also witnessed a lot of things that most people mm. would uh, would sort of uh, imagine in the worst horror film, but then you could times that by about a thousand. And that was, that was the sort of things that I witnessed within that space as well. And how old were you? Because I read it quickly. How old were you at the point? I think there's a, there's a point in here where you said you recognized, like there was a moment for you where you recognized that this was happening to you and there was, you know, another way for you. Um, so how old were you when you got out? Yeah, great question because the the grooming was almost like it had a put blinkers on myself. So mm-hmm. it's a slow, insidious process, a slow boiling frog type syndrome where you don't realize that it's actually happening or even worse that it's even wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, So by the time I was just before I turned 21, I started to see and have these sort of glimpses that what am I actually in? What am I part of? What am I witnessing here? It was as if the mind control, the brainwashing or the grooming, whatever we like to call it, was starting to glitch. And Mm. at that moment, I started to feel this huge urge that I needed to 
get out of this space and uh, start to remove myself from that environment because the way that the grooming worked, it very much uh, had me going back uh, in that into that world. So it was it was sort of like a level of uh, not knowing that it was wrong, but I started to see that it was wrong. Mm. You write here um, at the beginning, the reality of my situation was this. I never knew I needed to heal until I started to heal. I love that. I marked that because it's so true. You know, I've been on my own healing journey from childhood trauma, although not um, yeah, not like that. You, I know we're not meant to be comparing or anything like, but, you know, this is a particularly horrific story that you're telling, which is why I think it's so inspiring and you have something to really share with other people who are healing their trauma because, you know, you've come a long way. So you didn't know that you needed to heal until you started, but you write here that you uh, left this situation, you got out of this situation and then endured this period of time, I think it was 10 years or something, where you just lived in a state of disassociation. Yeah, absolutely. So I went into, once I was able to leave and it's very much like an addiction, uh, the way grooming works. So I had to, I knew that I needed to remove myself in order to separate myself from that environment and to let that grooming disintegrate. So then I entered into this 10 years of uh, extreme dissociation, uh, PTSD, flashbacks, toxic relationships, uh, violent, abusive relationships. And I thought that was as good as it was going to get. So I actually thought that was just what life was about. And so I didn't mm. know that I actually needed to heal or that the healing work was there to be done until I started to come into healing and still until I started to think about my past and still I, I was sort of presented with an opportunity in my late 20s. I believe it sort of started to come to me that this is actually needs to be dealt with and that I had a choice, which was a fork in the road that I could live the rest of my life dissociated and living somewhat subpar to what I believe you can live. And I knew knew that I wanted an extraordinary life and that I wanted a better life, but I didn't know that the healing work was in in the way of that. So when Mm -hmm. I started that shift, I didn't know I needed to start to heal until I actually did. And that was an incredible transformative couple of years where I went into this healing process. Mm, And was there a pivotal moment for you? Like, was there a book or a conversation or something that just opened your eyes to the possibility of a broader space, you know, where all the tools for healing kind of lie, you know, and this is where a lot of people, I mean, for me, years and years and years ago, you know, I was on the kind of treadmill of my life and my trauma in my early 20s. And I stumbled across Shirley MacLaine's book out on a limb. And I don't know whether you've ever read that book, but it was a pivotal moment for me, because it opened up all these questions about existence and my existence and my potential. So was there a pivotal moment for you? Uh, I think there was. It was in my late 20s, almost before the age of 30. And I started to see that my life was reflecting back conflict all the time. So it was Mm -hmm. reflecting back so much challenge. That's a really big realization for someone that age. Like it's really, you know, usually (laughs) there's someone who introduces you to something, but you've actually, you've recognized your own internal programming. (laughs) Yeah, basically. It was like I saw my own uh, predicament. I was so frustrated at my own predicament and I was thinking to myself, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I just have a normal life? Uh, Everyone around me seems to be fine. You 
that old chestnut. And, uh, yeah. but it was, it was sort of like, I wanted to, I knew that it could be better and I couldn't understand why I kept bringing in so much conflict, so much more trauma. It was as if my trauma kept attracting more trauma and I was just in this sort of continuous, chaotic, dramatic loop. And Mm. when in my late 20s, I knew that I needed to change and actually started to pull books forward just naturally through my curiosity. I wanted to almost break free of something, which was why, what is holding me back? What is this thing that I can't let go of? What is this? And again, the grooming was still in effect really to my late 20s because I didn't really attribute all of my dysfunction to those periods. I just thought there must be something. What is it? Like, you know, the Mm. grooming was so deep. So that was really the, the shift. And then I started to have lots of conversations with people. And it was the first time I'd really started to talk about my past. Up until that point, people would just look at me and say, well, you seem normal, but why is your life so dysfunctional? And And, and then people were like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And then for the first time, I started to share just little parts of the story because I was so groomed to never speak about it. So this in itself, this whole journey has been massive, uh, very, very healing because uh, most of the programming, most of the ritual abuse, most of the torture is all around never speaking. Mm. So this is a complete uh, sort of flip of that narrative, so to say. And I look at that as a triumph within its own self because a lot of fear-based uh, programming was put in surrounding that narrative. You know, if you do this, you know, your family be harmed or this will be happen to you. Or if you want this torture to stop, you know, you've got to agree to this or whatever, whatever it may have been. Mm-hmm. So that was very much the process. So I started to share just little bits of this story, which I thought I knew it wasn't normal, but I didn't think it was as bad as it was until I started sharing that story. And then I realized how, how much healing work there was to do. And people mm-hmm. were saying to me, you know, that's not right. You know, you know, that is like, that is, um, that's extreme abuse. That's just, I'm like, Oh no, no, it's not extreme abuse. It's just, it's just, they're crazy people. And that's what happens. And, and it was your life, you know, it, it, it was, was your life. normal and it put you yeah. into a state of survival to start yes. with, which is why you were on that loop. But as you said before, you were groomed and you were in some ways addicted to that. And this is, we actually, I think people don't understand that we become addicted to our negative programs because we're Mm -hmm. constantly getting this hit Mm -hmm. of this kind of chemical rush from our fear and our pain and everything. So even though people go, no, 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 I'm not, I don't want these negative experiences, we actually do become quite addicted to those thought patterns because they mm-hmm. let off a, a physiological response in our body that um, it's a hit. Mm-hmm. So you would have been having major, major hits in your life and you were creating these, Definitely. I guess, dramas in your life to maintain a, a sense of this 100%. is me, this is my normal. Yeah. So I love here in your book, you talk about, and this is what you were just mentioning then, is it fiction or fact? So when you were being groomed, Everyone has negative programs that they pick up in normal life and normal childhood, but yours were on steroids because they did <laughs> yeah, it on right. purpose to you. That's right. Yes. It's calculated. So, yeah. So you, you say here, my faith and belief in myself is stronger than my attachment to the pain that was inflicted upon me, which is great. But confronting an abusive past can feel like grueling work and many false narratives pop up and make themselves known. The more we pull on that thread of truth, the more those narratives fall apart until 
eventually every lie woven into the fabric of our abuse is exposed. That's so good. I've got goosebumps. It's so good. So how did you go from having these deeply embedded programs and actually facing them and going, is this fiction or is this fact? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a great question. And a a lot of it, I had to apply a lot of logic and I had to really come to this point where I was renegotiating with everything. So there was a point where I thought I lost my entire identity because my whole identity predominantly had been formed from this grooming. You are this type of person. You are, you think like this, you want to do these types of things, like all things that actually weren't me. So all of these philosophies that I was taught, and there was a lot of intelligent people, you could say that were applying that and then weaponizing that against me. So I had a lot of concepts about the world, about people, about relationships, and all of it had to disintegrate. So in in many ways, there was this complete uh, shattering and rebuilding approach, but I did have to, in, in order to do that, I had to really be okay with letting go of everything I understood to be true, to rebuild what was and what was authentic to myself. And that really came through asking a lot of serious questions like, is abuse, uh, violent abuse, really love? You know, of mm. course it's not. Mm. Is um is being told that the normal day people are, you know, scum of the earth, like everyday people are scum? Well, absolutely not. Is love really only just these people? I mean, there's millions and millions of beautiful people on this planet. Can I really only find love within that environment? So there were so many ingrained beliefs and things that I never actually stopped to question. So most of it came down to just renegotiating the whole lot and deciding what had merit to me anymore and what was going to be dismissed. What you've just said is so profound. I think that a lot of people at the start of a healing journey, change is really uncomfortable because even if we're living in trauma, it's familiar Mm -hmm. and we don't like change, you know. So to say that your identity completely disintegrated. I've been there and I can remember at the beginning going, I do not need this. I don't want this. Everything is fine. I look back at the person I was 20 years ago. I don't even, I have a lot of love for her, but I, she's not me. The idea that we can't change is, I mean, we do change, we can change, Mm -hmm. but we make active choices to do that. And we have to actually face that fear of losing the identity that we're so attached to. And you've obviously done an incredible job at that. (laughs) Really incredible. What sort of healing modalities, I know you do list some here, but for the listeners, what sort of healing modalities did you, apart from just being really intelligent and facing your own (laughs) thoughts, what did you use that helped you along the way? Uh, that's an interesting one because I found that the right things came at the right time and I never Mm. knew what I would or who I would be seeing six months into this process or 12 months in. So once I decided that, okay, enough's enough and I'm going to rethink and and rebuild everything from scratch, uh, I then found that the right people came to me and that could have even been a conversation listening to someone in the coffee line, uh, hearing the right thing I needed Mm. at the time. Uh, It may have been I worked with one of the best deprogrammers for ritual abuse and people that have gone through this sort of intense programming and this level of grooming. So I worked with one of the best people in America, you know, for six months. And then I worked with uh, many spiritual healers, uh, very quite spiritual. So I worked with people that do distant healing, uh, kinesiologists, 
people that do uh, tapping therapy, EFT therapy. There was many therapies that I tried and I always found that the right one appeared at the right time and had nothing did everything, but everything did just something. And collectively with my will, <laughs> with my uh, never give up will, I mean, I'm a Capricorn, so they say they're stubborn, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stubborn and never give up. And I think it's the goat, you know, so I had my, you could say I just uh, was sitting up there ready to go and stop it no matter what. So there was an intensified period where I was seeing lots of people, but I found that the more I healed, that just sort of dropped away and I was able to reach those places within myself. But I always say, if we have that belief there first, the right people show up. Absolutely. So in the book, you document your journey in five waves of transformation. The first one is facing reality of what happened and being truthful with yourself, which we were talking about. Wave two is purging the past and how the body gets rid of trapped pain. Mm -hmm. Wave three, reclaiming your greatest superpower, self-worth. Very good. Wave four, becoming present and leaving your traumatic past behind for good. And wave five, creating an unimaginable life where anything is possible. I love how you have summed up each of these waves. It's definitely my experience. Let's just go back to wave two, purging the past and how the body gets rid of trapped pain. Just explain what you mean with that. Uh, Yeah. So I believe once we start to unlock trauma, once we start to realize that there is stuff to possibly release with inside of us, I was always shocked at the amount of trauma sitting with inside of me. And I thought, how was I actually carrying this all around? And the best example is, you know, holding balls underwater, these big beach balls underwater and just trying to keep them down so they don't pop up. I must've had about 50,000 of them. Okay. Going at once. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. really what happened as I started to release my trauma, I had a lot of somatic responses. So the body not only mentally dispels what I call the lies and the, you know, the, the garbage of the past, but the actual physical body has a way of getting rid of the toxicity as well. So, uh, sweating or, um, night terrors or what, you know, whatever ways that the body wants to dispel that shaking, lots of crying, whatever that may be. Uh, there was a huge somatic piece, which is the body's natural intelligence to get rid of trauma. Mm. And interestingly, through my journey, I actually lost significant amounts of weight. My face shape changed, my body shape changed, my height grew a little bit. People barely recognized me. And I, I did re- quite literally go through a metamorphosis and uh, I released that much out of my body. And I've been there as well. And I mean, you mentioned kinesiology before. I think that's a really great way to release um, stuff from the body, but also my meditation techniques that in the early days of that, my body, I'd be physically moving. It wasn't a still meditation at all. I'd be like Mm -hmm. moving around while trauma came out of out of my body but you've got to get it out of your body or one day it's It's going gonna yeah yeah yeah, it's gonna manifest in another way I always say it's gonna come out one way or the other whether that's right willingly coerce it out or it has its own way of naturally getting out and I do believe that's why many people have so much disease in their life yeah yeah absolutely so um talk to me about wave four becoming present and leaving your traumatic past behind for good. So do you feel like you have 
left it behind. How do you how do you stay present? Because I know staying present is actually the best way to do that. But you know, all sorts of things in your day to day life will kind of throw you a bit, and then you have to do a little bit more work or yeah. get back into that present moment. How is your life now with that? With managing that? Yeah, um, actually, right through the book, I talk about this concept of time and that the clock ticks forward, not backwards. And that's mm-hmm. became one of my foundational parts to healing, recognizing that the past is this an illusionary concept that can haunt my future mm-hmm. and essentially bring that garbage from the past. In, and I say garbage because I believe that's what it is, garbage from the past into the future. And whilst I've learned many lessons from that, I do believe that we can live more presently and there's a lot more gifts in the present moment and that we can create that amazing reality for ourselves despite of the past by simply recognizing that time gives us infinite opportunity to do that. And I really do believe that every moment, every day, I have infinite choice to really choose the type of reality that I want. And it was through that level of consciousness and becoming present with what I have right now, I was able to just leave the past where it was, not dismiss the past, Mm. but just leave the past and really just start to look at what I actually have and not what the past was. Oh, it's so great. So with that in mind, you've gone on to create this Seeds of Greatness project. And within the Seeds of Greatness project, you manage a variety of topics, including self-worth, money mindset, overcoming negative beliefs, personal development. It's a whole platform. Just talk to me a bit more about that. Uh, So the platform is really all anchored in self-responsibility and growth because I know those words don't seem much like a whole lot of fun, (laughs) but, uh, but I do believe that we are the creators of our reality and that we can author any type of reality for ourselves, despite any past that we may have had. And I guess the point of sharing my story is to really illuminate that message even stronger to say, no matter what you have experienced, you really can achieve anything. And the Seeds of Greatness platform is really about putting those seeds in to to live that great life. So planting the seeds for a greater humanity. And with every person that comes through and has these epiphanies for themselves, self-realization, the world actually does become a better place because their world becomes a better place. Mm. And I think collectively, if you have enough people that do this, you end up with this sort of a community of people that think alike and want to create a better humanity because they've experienced some sort of personal shift within them. Mm. And they've also experienced that life can be a whole lot more enjoyable without sort of dragging dragging those elements into the, into the future. Well, I agree. And I, I know there are studies being done on what's called emergent consciousness. So if you see a school of fish or birds flying in that kind of, you know, how a school of fish will just kind of dance all as one. And they've discovered that there's no leader that they just energetically know. It's collective. And um, so this emergent consciousness is exactly what you're talking about, that we can work on ourselves and we can find healing and peace Mm -hmm. individually. And that actually does help the collective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, many people, they don't, we don't want to really look at ourselves because it's easier to think it's external to us. And I think many people like, oh, here's Sidel goes again, because, you know, going on this thing that it's all comes back to us, you know, it all comes Mm. back to us, everything. And so that's what the Seeds of Greatness platform is. It's really about an inspiring way to look at life from that point of, hey, I did actually create everything that happened to me today and yesterday and last year. And, and I does will that be the include your past as well? Well, I do believe that 
obviously through those younger years, it's more an unconscious thing. And Mm. then when we become more conscious into our adult years, then we can really take that responsibility, whether we wanted that to happen or not. Mm. I do believe that we can look at it and go, okay, I've got this present, this Christmas present that I don't actually really want, but I have to deal with it. You know, Mm. so this was, this was, I looked at this thing and going, I have to deal with this healing. Like, why me? You know, Mm. I'm so mad that I have this thing to deal with and no one else is going to deal with it except me. I can't return it. (laughs) I can't give Mm. it to someone else. And uh, that was one of the big things, but it was really what I, I had a choice of what I would do with the past. And that was really where that responsibility came down to responsibility. It is, and it is. And also, you know, you make a choice moving forward. Am I going to move forward as a, as a victim Mm -hmm. of the world Mm -hmm. or am I going to be, you know, a creator and create a completely different future for myself? That's right. Yeah. And I think think you've, um, you've definitely done that. Yeah, because being a victim is actually hard work because a victim means that we have to suppress ourselves. We have to suppress our expectations of life. And so I realized that if I was going to stay a victim, I couldn't be wealthy. I couldn't, I couldn't achieve the dreams. I couldn't have the creative expression I did because that wouldn't fit the narrative of being a victim. No, that's right. You wouldn't be worth those things. That's, that's right. So it takes a lot of upkeep and it's really against our natural state, which is to be uh, abundant, to be, to be creative, to be peaceful, to live a harmonious life. That's actually really what I believe is our natural state. Mm. And so being a victim is actually taking energy to remove ourselves from that. And uh, that's why I think going the whole way for ourselves and persevering with coming into recognition of what happened in our past and dealing with it properly um, is so worth it because life will reflect that work back to you in in such a positive shift. Mm. Oh, Sadell, you are absolutely inspiring. For anyone who is listening today and who is, you know, suffering, has been through their own trauma, they're all going to go out and buy your book. I'm urging them to now. But before it gets delivered or they get to the bookshop, what do you hope that they take away from this? Well, firstly, the book. The book is written as a, as a hope, as a piece of hope for, for people that have come out of trauma to really realise that no matter what your past is, you can and have the ability to create not an okay life, but an extraordinary life. And so the book is about hope. It's about having faith, not an external faith, but a faith within yourself that you can do it. And also to give people a bit of belief and a bit of encouragement to realize that you can go the whole way and have that perseverance. And and not only that, but it's so worth it because it's our life we're talking about, isn't it? And mm-hmm. if we can have a great life, is is that not worth everything? Oh, you're amazing. The book is amazing. It is also set out really well. Uh, I know that a lot of people when they're struggling, find it difficult to focus and to read. So yours, it's broken down into really like shorter chapters. It is easy to absorb what you've written as shocking as some of it is at the beginning. It is so inspiring. And the way that you've actually formulated the healing techniques, it's it's amazing. So I urge everyone to go and buy this. It's Metamorphosis. Sidel Sierra, thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. Oh, thank you so much, Jane. It's been an absolute pleasure.
Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you have no idea where it's going? Well, I know it's all of those subscriptions. I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and I had them cancel the ones I didn't want anymore. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash pod24. That's rocketmoney.com slash pod24. Rocketmoney.com slash pod24. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.